Father God, you are our portion. You have promises in your words that we can trust. You are inheritance. You are our joy. You are our treasure in this life and beyond. So Father, because you are our treasure, because we treasure you, because we treasure your words, we want to come as your obedient children to sit at your feet. And Father, on this Father's Day, as we sit at the feet of Jesus, to hear afresh again what he has to say to us, Father, we pray that you will take these moments, quad our hearts, take away distractions, Lord God, by the power of your Spirit, that we may hear what you have to say to us. And Father, as we look into this passage for this good uh, for this Father's Day, we pray that the next few moments will be yours. Do construct in us holiness, fear of you, love for you, and overwhelming joy for you in Jesus' name. Amen. There once was a story about a frail old man who went to live with his son and daughter-in-law and their four-year-old grandson. The elderly man's hands were shaking, his eyesight was blurry, his steps faltered, and the family ate together at the table. But the elderly grandfather's hands were shaking and his sight was failing, so peas rolled down off his spoon onto the floor. He grasped his glass for water, but the glass spilled on the floor and broke into a million pieces. And so the son and daughter became very irritated with the mess that the grandfather was causing. We need to do something about this, the son said. I've enough of this spilled milk, noisy eating, food on the floor by um, our father. So the husband and the wife decided to set up a small table in the corner. There the grandfather sat alone while the rest of the family enjoyed the dinner at the dinner table. Since grandfather had broken a dish or two, he was, his food was just served on wooden bowls. Once day, as the family was uh, eating, the father glanced at the grandfather's direction and he saw a tear in his eyes and, uh, because the grandfather had no words to say and nobody would listen. As soon as the father saw tears in the eyes, he got mad and started scolding him. The four-year-old grandson was watching all of this in silence. One evening before supper, the father noticed that his son was playing with wooden scraps of wood on the floor. So he asked the son sweetly, Son, what are you making? The son replied, Oh, I'm just making a little bowl for you and Mama to eat your food when you grow old. The word struck the parents deeply and tears began to roll down their cheeks. That evening, the father took the grandfather and invited him and gently led him back to the family table. If you have grown up in some kind of an Asian family, you would have heard this story in one form or another. It's a story that parents like to tell their kids so they won't abandon them in their old age. But the story is striking. We are not very good children to our parents. Are we? In my former church, there was a lady, an older lady, who lived by herself. 
and close to Christmas, she would go around asking people how they would spend Christmas. So she would ask people, what are you doing on Christmas Day? What are you doing on Christmas Day? And later on, I found out why. Because she was lonely. She had three daughters, but none of them wanted to spend Christmas with her. They gave one lame excuse after another. Today, we have many books, many seminars, many sermons, many talks about parenting. But there are very few that would talk about how we can become better children. There are so many books about how to become a better dad, how to become a better mom. But there are very few about how we can become better children to our parents. And it's a growing problem that few address. Because there are many churches, especially here in Australia, whereby parents just come to church. And many of them come because they are lonely and their children are nowhere to be found with them. How are we to become better children? You see, Jesus was a child once too. While we have many stories about Jesus as an adult, we only have one, yes, the one story of Jesus as a child. The early church felt the pinch too, that there wasn't enough stories about Jesus when he was young. So they made up some outrageous stories about Jesus as a boy. Today we want to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 40 to 52. The only story that Jesus appeared as a child. And this story is very interesting because the story is enveloped or bracketed by, uh, um, by a, a, a verse that speaks about what kind of a child Jesus was. So let's look at Luke chapter 2 verse 40. Before the story begins, we read what Luke says about Jesus the child. And the child grew and became strong. This is Luke chapter 2 verse 40. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was with him. What kind of child was Jesus? Luke makes it very clear, even before he begins the story, that Jesus was a child filled with wisdom. He was a wise child. Just in case we did not get that, after the story, just before Luke finish, uh, finishes the story, he gives us again a summary statement of what the story is about. Luke chapter 2 verse 52 and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. What kind of a child was Jesus? Luke tells us twice. Jesus was a child filled with wisdom. What does it mean to grow up? What does it mean to be children of wisdom? And I'm not just talking about young children. I'm talking about all of us. All of us are children. What does it mean to be a wise child? Luke chapter 2 verses 41 to 52 tells a story about Mary and Joseph when Jesus was a young lad, was a young boy. Every year, Joseph and Mary would bring Jesus to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. On the year Jesus turned 12, Luke tells us that Jesus, instead of going home after the celebrations with his parents, stayed behind in Jerusalem. The parents did not realize that Jesus was missing until they traveled for a day. And then they realized Jesus was missing, so they traveled back to Jerusalem. And verse 40 tells us that Jesus was there in the temple courts 
sitting with the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And then exasperated Mary began to ask Jesus, Son, why are you treating us this way? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus answered in verse 49, Why are you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? The Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph did not understand what Jesus was saying to them. Why didn't they understand? You see, Mary and Joseph was thinking, when, when Jesus says, I need to be in my father's house, well, Mary and Joseph was thinking, Jesus' father is Joseph. If Jesus said that he ought to be home rather than staying in Jerusalem, they didn't make the connection that Jesus was not only a child, not only a child of Joseph, but Jesus was also the child of the heavenly father. That was something that, didn't, that Mary and Joseph did not grasp. That's why when Jesus says, I need to be my father's house, they couldn't understand. Because they only thought of father of Jesus as just Joseph. And that is something that many of us do not understand. Before we are children of your earthly father, you are first and foremost a child of the heavenly father. Why is that important? We need to know that we are a child of the Heavenly Father. Why? Because if you do not revel, do not rest, do not enjoy, do not know the depth of what it means to call God Father, all your earthly fathers will disappoint you. This is because all your earthly, all our earthly fathers are sinful. They are imperfect. They will never pair up to the best picture of what we call as the perfect dad. Every dad in this world, even if you are a Billy Graham, will fail you. We need to first and foremost find our identity as children of the Heavenly Father. I was reading Steve Smith's book, The Jesus Life. He was telling about some of his deepest hurts when he was growing up. And one of the deepest hurts that Steve Smith talked about was what he called the serial stare. That every morning, he and his dad would sit together to have breakfast. They would each pour for themselves a bowl of cereal and sit at the same table. But the father just stared at the kitchen wall, lost in his thoughts. And he would just stare at the cereal, eating his cereal, and not even look at Steve. His mind was on his workload, his work deadlines, problems with his colleagues, a crisis at work, uh, his promotion, and so forth. The father was just lost in his thoughts. And here was Steve Smith trying to reach out to his dad, but his dad was just emotionally absent. Not once, Steve said, did his dad ever reach out to him at the breakfast table and ask him, Son, how are you doing at school? Who are your friends? What are problems are you facing right now at school? His father never did. It was what he called the cereal stare. They were just staring at the cereal, 
in the bowls. And this hurt Steve Smith that even decades after, it still burned in his heart. In many ways, I empathize with Steve. It is true that fathers should not be emotionally distant from your children and neglect your children. On the other hand, we cannot expect our earthly fathers to fill our deepest emotional needs. The best father will let you down. We need to let the heavenly father feel, fill your deepest longings. Why? Because if you do not let the heavenly father do that, you will turn out to be an angry child. A lot of psychology, especially non-Christian secular psychology, is built upon the fact about blaming your parents. I am like this because my parents did not live up to this expectation. But that's not the gospel. It's just sin playing circles around us because there's no way out. You blame the previous generation, the next generation blames your generation, and the next generation blames the next generation. There's a sin playing cycles around us. We need to find God as our first and foremost Heavenly Father. Mary and Joseph missed that. That's why they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. When Jesus says, I need to be my father's house, Jesus saw God as his father, not just Joseph. And that's a very crucial thing of what it means to be a wise child. You need to find God as your father. Know him deeply. Jesus did not just stay behind in the temple, in the father's house, but he was asking questions. He was sitting with them. He was listening. We need to know the father intimately. And that's what it means to be a wise child. But I also want you to notice something very interesting about the text that's often missed. When Mary and Joseph went back to Jerusalem to look for Jesus, where did they find Jesus? Verse 46 tells us that Jesus was at the temple courts listening and asking questions. Is this significant? Within the book of Luke, the temple courts are very significant because they appear at least in three very important locations in the book of Luke. Do you remember when the temple courts was first mentioned in the book of Luke? It's mentioned in Luke chapter 2 verse 27. Here Jesus was just a baby and Mary and Joseph went to the temple to dedicate Jesus as a baby. And there at the temple they met an old man. Remember his name? Yeah, Simeon. At the temple courts, Simeon talked about Jesus and then he made a prophecy. A prophecy that he claimed from the Old Testament that Jesus will one day be a light of revelation for the Gentiles. Very interesting. And then the second time we read about the temple courts is here in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus was just a boy sitting in the temple courts asking questions. Years pass. The very the third time we read about the temple courts is again in Luke chapter 19 verse 45. Here Jesus was an adult. 
He was at the temple courts and he was what? Driving the people who were selling at the temple, selling stuff and driving them out, chasing them away. Why? Because the temple, Jesus says, is a place of prayer. For who? The temple courts is also the towns of the Gentiles. For the Gentiles, Jesus was clearing out the temple courts of all these merchants so that Gentiles like you and I can worship. And this is the fulfillment of what Simeon said when Jesus was just a tiny baby, that he will be a light to the Gentiles. And Jesus here clears the temple courts so that the Gentiles can come and know him. Gentiles were once unreachable. Gentiles were once offensive towards God. Gentiles who once used to murder the Jews. Gentiles who hated the God of the Bible. Now Jesus wants the Gentiles to come and worship. What does it say to us? When we spend time with the Heavenly Father, the Heavenly Father does something in us so that we can be like Jesus to love the unlovable. Yes, your parents may have hurt you. They may have neglected you. They may have done the serial stare with you, not only over breakfast, but over lunch and over dinner and over supper and over all meals of the day. And you see, there is no way I can forgive them. But when you spend time with the Father, when you spend time in the temple courts with the Father, He does something in your heart that you will be like Jesus. You can even welcome the people who were once far away, once hated, and welcome them to worship with you and, and worship with you and worship the Father together. When you spend time at the Father's house, you can love beyond our imaginations. Many scholars have also noticed the similarities between Jesus and Samuel in the Old Testament. Just as Jesus uh, kept increasing in wisdom and stature in the favor of God and man, Luke chapter 2 verse 52, we are also told in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 26 that Samuel was growing in stature and in favor both with the Lord and with man. Just as Samuel spent his childhood in the temple, so Jesus here as a child spends his time in the temple. Just as Samuel baffled the priest Eli, Jesus' insights baffled the cultic officials at the temple. They were amazed at Jesus. Just as uh, Samuel waited for God to speak, Jesus here sat at the temple courts and waited and listened to what God was saying. And then just as uh, 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 Samuel hears God speaking before he spoke himself, here Jesus, before he started preaching and teaching, needed here to hear from the Father. But do you remember what happened to Samuel? When Samuel waited to hear from the Heavenly Father, we are told in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, that the Lord let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. What does that mean? It means that Samuel became a very powerful 
powerful prophet. From a little boy, he became a very powerful prophet, especially in a time when the words of God was rare in Samuel's days. Samuel became a powerful man. There is something that happens to us when we spend time with the Father. When we enjoy, when we learn from the Father of all fathers, and it's God Himself. He transforms us. He changes us. He makes our hearts vulnerable again. He melts the heaviest hearts. He takes the bitterness out of the bitter in our lives. He brings about forgiveness when we think it's not possible. He changes a little boy into a powerful prophet. He changes a little boy here, Jesus, into the great Messiah who calls the once hated people to himself. There is marvelous joy and transformation that comes when we dwell and when we embrace God as our Father. Our Fathers is a movie that deals with the sexual abuse within the Catholic Church. In this movie, there was a man by the name of Tommy. When Tommy was a little boy, he was sexually abused by one of the priests called Father Birmingham. When Tommy became an adult, he tracked down Father Birmingham. Father Birmingham at this time was already very old. He was sick in the hospital. So Tommy went to the hospital to visit Father Birmingham. Tommy says to Father Birmingham, Father, Father, it's Tommy. Tommy Blanchett from Sudbury. I've come to visit you. Do you remember me? Father Birmingham wears an incredulous expression as he lies on his bed with tubes coming out of his uh, nose. And Tommy moves closer and closer and he sat beside Father Birmingham. And he said to Father Birmingham, I hated you, you know. What you did to me and my brothers and all those boys at Sudbury, it was wrong. And Tommy begins to cry. You shamed me, Father. You abused us sexually and it was wrong. How could you do that? And still fighting with tears, Tommy, Tommy seems to get hold of his emotions. And Tommy says, You know, the real reason why I've come is this. I want to forgive you. I want you to forgive me too for the hatred that I have felt for you all this time. I believe, Father, the promise that Jesus Christ made is true. Would we be all right if we pray together? So he takes soul of Father Birmingham's hands and he prays. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, heal Father Birmingham. Forgive his sins so that he too might have eternal what made Tommy turn around to Father Birmingham? We've abused him sexually as a child and to hold on to his hands and pray with him. We can't do that unless you know the Father who first forgave our sins by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. That's the gospel and that's what breaks the cycles of sin. Don't blame your parents. They are not perfect. 
come to the cross. That's what breaks the curse of generational sins. That's what brings healing. That's what a wise child looks like. Father, as we come before you this morning, we thank you for your word. On this Father's Day, as we remember fathers, Father, we remember children too, whether they're adults or whether they're teenagers or whether they are kids. We all suffer from the effects of sins and we look to people for perfection, to fill us, to forgive us, to make us joys again. But the truth of the gospel is that there is no one who can save us, no one who can fill the void and be the perfect dad in our lives. No, not one. Only the Father does. Only you do. And so, Father, we want to come before you. We want to come to the cross again. We want to find our relationship with you. We want to return to you. We want to be children of wisdom who cling on to Jesus, who appropriate his death and resurrection in our lives and call and love you as our Father. Father, as a great and mighty Father, as a loving and a gracious Father, show us what it means to be your children. Give us wisdom that we may know you, love you, cherish you on this Father's Day. You are the perfect dad. Teach us to be wise children of yours. In his name we pray. Amen.